0: There and welcome to tonight's episode of Down to Sleep, the podcast of softly spoken stories to help you get a good night's rest. There's a new episode every single Monday, and if you'd like to get a bonus episode during the week, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash down to sleep. Tonight we dive back in to the picture of Dorian Gray, which is a book that I'm hoping to do a complete reading of. If you want to hear every episode that is available on the Patreon. This is the third time that we have revisited this book on the sort of main episode, the Spotify and podcast app episode. So, let's jump in at chapter nine. Go ahead and take a nice deep breath. Get yourself comfortable. Let's tuck you in and begin. The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Chapter nine. As he was sitting at breakfast next morning, Basil Hallward was shown into the room. "'I am so glad I have found you, Dorian,' he said gravely. "'I called last night, and they told me you were at the opera. "'Of course I knew that was impossible, "'but I wish you had left word where you had really gone to. "'I passed a dreadful evening half-afraid "'that one tragedy might be followed by another. "'I think you might have telegraphed for me "'when you heard of it first. "'I read of it quite by chance "'in the late edition of The Globe "'that I picked up at the club.' I came here at once and was miserable at not finding you. I can't tell you how heartbroken I am about the whole thing. I know what you must suffer. But where were you? Did you go down and see the girl's mother? For a moment I thought of following you there. They gave the address in the paper somewhere in the Euston Road, isn't it? But I was afraid of intruding upon a sorrow that I could not lighten. Poor woman. What a state she must be in. And her only child, too. What did she say about it all? My dear Basil, how do I know? Murmured Dorian Gray, sipping some pale yellow wine from a delicate gold-beaded bubble of Venetian glass, and looking dreadfully bored. I was at the opera. You should have come on there. I met Lady Gwendolyn, Harry's sister, for the first time. We were in her box. She's perfectly charming, and Patty sang divinely. Don't talk about horrid subjects. If one doesn't talk about a thing, it has never happened. It is simply expression, as Harry says, that gives reality to things. I may mention that she was not the woman's only child. There is a son, a charming fellow, I believe. But he's not on the stage. He's a sailor or something. And now, tell me about yourself and what are you painting? You went to the opera, said Hallward, speaking very slowly and with a strained touch of pain in his voice. You went to the opera while Sybil Vane was lying dead in some sordid lodging. You can talk to me of other women being charming, of Patty singing divinely before the girl that you loved has even the quiet of a grave to sleep in. Why, man, there are horrors in store for that little white body of hers. Stop, Basil, I won't hear it, cried Dorian, leaping to his feet. You must not tell me about things. What is done is done, what is past is past. You call yesterday the past. What has actual lapse of time got to do with it? It is only shallow people who require years to get rid of an emotion. A man who is a master of himself can end a sorrow as easily as he can uh, invent a pleasure. I don't want to be at the mercy of my emotions. I want to use them, to enjoy them, to dominate them. Dorian, this is horrible. Something has changed you completely. You look exactly as the same wonderful boy who, day after day, used to come down to my studio to sit for his picture, but you were simple, natural, affectionate. You were the most unspoiled creature in the whole world, and now I don't know what has come over you. You talk as if you had no heart, no pity in you. It is all Harry's influence, I see that. The lad flushed up and, going to the window, looked out for a few moments on the green, flickering, sun-lashed garden. I owe a great deal to Harry, Basil, he said. More than I owe to you. You only taught me to be vain. Well, I am punished for that Dorian or I shall be some day. I don't know what you mean, Basil. I don't know what you want. What do you want? "'I want the Dorian Gray that I used to paint,' said the artist, sadly. "'Basil,' said the lad, going over to him and putting his hand on his shoulder, "'you have come too late. "'Yesterday, when I heard that Sybil Vane had killed herself—killed herself? "'Good heavens, is there no doubt about that?' cried Hallward, "'looking up at him with an expression of horror. "'My dear Basil, surely you don't think it was a vulgar accident?' "'Of course she killed herself.' The elder man buried his face in his hands. How fearful, he muttered. A shudder ran through him. No, said Dorian Gray. There is nothing fearful about it. It is one of the great romantic tragedies of the age. As a rule, people who act lead the most commonplace lives. They are good husbands, faithful wives, or something tedious. You know what I mean? Middle-class virtue and all that kind of thing. How different Sybil was. She lived her finest tragedy. She was always a heroine. The last night she played, the night that you saw her, she acted badly because she had known the reality of love. When she knew its unreality, she died as Juliet might have died. She passed again into the sphere of art. There is something of the martyr about her. Her death has all the pathetic uselessness of martyrdom, all its wasted beauty. But as I was saying, you must not think That I have not suffered. If you had come in yesterday, at a particular moment, about half-past five, perhaps, or a quarter to six, you would have found me in tears. Even Harry, who was here, who brought me the news, in fact, had no idea what I was going through. I suffered immensely. Then it passed away. I cannot repeat an emotion. No one can, except sentimentalists." And you are awfully unjust, Basil. You come down here to console me. That is charming of you. You find me consoled, and you are furious. How like a sympathetic person. You remind me of a story that Harry told me about a certain philanthropist. He spent twenty years of his life trying to get some grievance redressed, some unjust law altered. I forget exactly what it was, but finally he succeeded. And nothing could exceed his disappointment. He had absolutely nothing to do, almost died of ennui, and became a confirmed misanthrope. And besides, my dear old Basil, if you really want to console me, teach me rather to forget, or to see it from a proper artistic point of view, was it not Gautier who used to write about La Consolation d'Art? I remember picking up a little vellum-covered book in your studio one day and chancing on that delightful phrase. Well, I'm not like that young man that you told me of When we were down at Marlow together, the young man who used to say that yellow satin could console one for all the miseries of life. I love beautiful things that one can touch and handle. Green, bronzes, lacquer work, carved ivories, exquisite surroundings, luxury, pomp. There is much to be got from all of these, but the artistic temperament that they create, or at any rate reveal, is still more to me. To become the spectator of one's own life, as Harry says, is to escape the suffering of life. I know you are surprised at my talking to you like this. You have not realized how I have developed. I was a schoolboy when you knew me. I'm a man now. I have new passions, new thoughts, new ideas. I am different You must not like me less, I am changed, but you must always be my friend. Of course I'm very fond of Harry, but I know that you are better than he is, you are not stronger, you are too much afraid of life. Of course, but you are better, and how happy we used to be together. Don't leave me, Basil, and don't quarrel with me, I am what I am and there's nothing more to be said. The painter felt strangely moved. The lad was infinitely dear to him. His personality had been the great turning point in his art. He could not bear the idea of reproaching him any more. After all, his indifference was probably merely a mood that would pass away. There was so much in him that was good, so much in him that was noble. Well, Dorian, he said at length with a sad smile. "'I won't speak to you again about this horrible thing after today. "'I only trust your name won't be mentioned in connection with it. "'The inquest is to take place this afternoon. Have they summoned you?' "'Dorian shook his head, and a look of annoyance passed over his face "'at the mention of the word inquest. "'There was something so crude and vulgar about everything of the kind. "'They don't know my name,' he answered but surely she did. Only my Christian name, and that I'm quite sure she never mentioned to anyone. She told me once that they were all rather curious to learn who I was, and that she invariably told them my name was Prince Charming. It was pretty of her. You you must do a drawing of Sybil, Basil. I should like to have something more of her than the memory of a few kisses and some broken, pathetic words. I'll try and do something, Dorian, if it would please you, but... You must come and sit to me yourself again. I can't get on without you. I can never sit to you again, Basil. It's impossible, he exclaimed, starting back. The painter stared at him. My dear boy, what nonsense, he cried. Do you mean to say you don't like what I did of you? Where is it? Why have you pulled the screen in front of it? Let me look at it. It's the best thing I've ever done. Do take the screen away, Dorian. It's simply disgraceful of your servant hiding my work like that. I felt the room looked different as I came in. My servant has nothing to do with it, Basil. You don't imagine I let him arrange my room for me. He settles my flowers for me sometimes, that is all. No, I did it myself. The light was too strong on the portrait. Too strong? Surely not, my dear fellow. It's an admirable place for it. Let me see it. Hallward walked towards the corner of the room. A cry of terror broke from Dorian Gray's lips, and he rushed between the painter and the screen. "'Basil,' he said, looking very pale. "'You must not look at it. I don't wish you to—' "'Not look at my own work. You're not serious. Why shouldn't I look at it?' exclaimed Hallward, laughing. "'If you try to look at it, Basil, on my word of honour, I will never speak to you again as long as I live. I am quite serious.' I don't offer any explanation, and you are not to ask for any. But remember, if you touch this screen, everything is over between us. Holwood was thunderstruck. He looked at Dorian Gray in absolute amazement. He had never seen him like this before. The lad was actually pallid with rage. His hands were clenched, and the pupils of his eyes were like discs of blue fire. He was trembling, all over. Dorian, don't speak. What is the matter? Of course I won't look at it if you don't want me to. He turned on his heel and going over towards the window. Really, it seems rather absurd that I shouldn't see my own work, especially as I'm going to exhibit it in Paris in the autumn. I'll probably have to give it another coat of varnish before that, so I must see it some day, and why not today? To exhibit it. You want to exhibit it, exclaimed Dorian. A strange sense of terror crept over him. Was the world going to be shown his secret? For people to gape at the mystery of his life, that was impossible. Something he did not know what, but something had to be done at once. Yes, I don't suppose you'll object to that. George Petit is going to collect all of my best pictures for a special exhibition in the Rue which will open the first week in October. The portrait will only be away for a month, and I should think you could easily spare it for that time. In fact, you're sure to be out of town, and if you keep it always behind a screen, you can't care much about it. Dorian Gray passed his hand over his forehead. There were beads of perspiration there. He felt that he was on the brink of a horrible danger. "'You told me a month ago you would never exhibit it,' he cried. "'Why have you changed your mind? "'You people who go in for being consistent "'have just as many moods as others have. "'The only difference is your moods are meaningless. "'You can't have forgotten that you assured me most solemnly "'that nothing in the world would induce you to send it to any exhibition.' "'You told Harry exactly the same thing.' "'He stopped suddenly. "'A gleam of light came into his eyes and he remembered.' Lord Henry had said to him once half-seriously, half in jest, "'If you want to have a strange quarter of an hour, "'get Basil to tell you why he won't exhibit your picture.' "'He told me why he wouldn't, "'and it was a revelation, yes, perhaps Basil too had a secret. "'He would ask him and try.' "'Basil,' he said, "'coming over quite close and looking him straight in the face.' We have each of us a secret. Let me know yours, and I shall tell you mine. What was your reason for refusing to exhibit my picture? The painter shuddered in spite of himself. Dorian, if, if I told you you might like me less than you do, then you would certainly laugh at me. I could not bear you doing either of those things. If you wish me to never look at your picture again, I'm content. I have always you to look at. If you wish the best work that I have ever done, to be hidden from the world, I am satisfied. Your friendship is dearer to me than any fame or reputation. No, Basil, you must tell me, insisted Dorian. I think I have a right to know. His feeling of terror had passed away, and curiosity had taken its place. He was determined to find out Basil Hallward's mystery let us sit down dorian said the painter looking troubled let us sit down and just answer me one question have you have you noticed in the picture something curious something that probably at first did not strike you but revealed itself to you suddenly basil cried the lad clutching the arms of his chair with trembling hands and gazing at him with wild startled eyes i see you did don't speak wait till you hear what i have to say From the moment I met you, your personality had the most extraordinary influence over me. I was dominated, soul, brain, and power, by you. You became to me the visible incarnation of that unseen ideal whose memory haunts us artists like an exquisite dream. I worshipped you. I grew jealous of everyone to whom you spoke. I Wanted to have you all to myself. I was only happy when I was with you. When you were away from me, you were present in my art. Of course, I never let you know anything about this. It would have been impossible. You would not have understood. I hardly understood it myself. I only knew that uh, I had seen perfection face to face. And that the world had become wonderful to my eyes. Too wonderful, perhaps, for... In such mad worships there is peril, the peril of losing them, no less than the peril of keeping them. Weeks and weeks went on, and I grew more and more absorbed in you. Then came a new development. I had drawn you as Paris in dainty armor, and as Adonis with a huntsman's cloak and a polished boar spear. Crowned with heavy lotus blossoms, you had sat on the prow of Adrian's barge, gazing against the green turbid mile. You had leaned over the still pool of some Greek woodland and seen in the water's silent silver the marvel of your own face, and it had all been what art should be, unconscious, ideal, and remote. One day, a fatal day, I sometimes think, I determined to paint a wonderful portrait of you as you actually are, and not in costume of dead ages, but in your own dress, in your own time whether it was the realism of the method or the mere wonder of your own personality, thus directly presented to me without mist or veil, I cannot tell. But I know that as I worked at it, every flake and film of colour seemed to me to reveal my secret. I grew afraid that others would know of my idolatry. I felt, Dorian, that I had told too much i had put too much of myself into it then it was that i resolved never to allow the picture to be exhibited you were a little annoyed but then you did not realize all that it meant to me harry to whom i talked about it laughed at me but i do not mind that when the picture was finished and i sat alone with it i felt that i was right Well, after a few days, the thing left my studio, and as soon as I had got rid of the intolerable fascination of its presence, it seemed to me I had been foolish in imagining that I had seen anything in it more than you were extremely good-looking, and that I could paint. Even now, I cannot help feeling it's a mistake to think that the passion one feels in creation is ever really shown in the work one creates. Art is always more abstract than we fancy form and color tell us of form and color that is all it often seems to me that art conceals the artist far more completely than it ever reveals him and so when i got this offer from paris i determined to make your portrait the principal thing in my exhibition it never occurred to me that you would refuse i see now you were right the picture cannot be shown You must not be angry with me, Dorian, for what I have told you as I said to Harry. You are made to be worshipped. Dorian Gray drew a long breath. The colour came back to his cheeks and a smile played about his lips. The peril was over. He was safe for the time. Yet he could not help feeling infinite pity for the painter who had just made this strange confession to him and wondered if he himself would ever be so dominated by the personality of a friend Lord Henry had the charm of being very dangerous but that was all he was too clever and too cynical to be really fond of would there ever be someone who would fill him with a strange idolatry was that one of the things that life had in store it is extraordinary to me, Dorian, said Hallward, that you should have seen this in the portrait. Did you really see it? I saw something in it, he answered. Something that seemed to me very curious. Well, you don't mind my looking at the thing now? Dorian shook his head. You must not ask me of that, Basil. I could not possibly let you stand in front of that picture. You will some day, surely? Never well perhaps you were right and now goodbye dorian you've been the one person in my life who has really influenced my art whatever i have done that is good i owe to you you don't know what it cost me to tell you all that i have told you my dear basil what have you told me simply that you felt that you admired me too much that's not even a compliment it was not intended as a compliment it was a confession Now that I have made it, something seems to have gone out of me. Perhaps one should never put one's worship into words. Well, it was a very disappointing confession. Why? What did you expect, Dorian? You didn't see anything else in the picture, did you? There was nothing else to see. No, there was nothing else to see. Why do you ask? But you mustn't talk about worship. It's foolish. You and I are friends, Basil. And we must always remain so you've got harry said the painter sadly oh harry cried the lad with a ripple of laughter harry spends his days in saying what is incredible and in the evenings in doing what is improbable but just the sort of life i would like to lead but i still don't think i would go to harry if i were in trouble i would sooner go to you basil you will sit to me again impossible You spoil my life as an artist by refusing, Dorian. No man comes across two ideal things, few come across one. I can't explain it to you, Basil, but I must never sit for you again. There is something fatal about a portrait. It has a life of its own. I'll come and have tea with you, and that will be just as pleasant. Pleasanter for you, I'm afraid, murmured Hallward regretfully. And now goodbye. I'm sorry you won't let me look at the picture once again, but... That can't be helped, I quite understand what you feel about it. As he left the room, Dorian Gray smiled to himself. Poor Basil, how little he knew of the true reason. How strange it was that instead of having been forced to reveal his own secret, he had succeeded almost by chance in wrestling a secret from his friend. How much that strange confession explained to him. The painter's absurd fits of jealousy, his wild devotion, his extravagant pantryx, his curious reticence. He understood them all now, and he felt sorry. But there seemed to him to be something tragic in a friendship so coloured by romance. He sighed and touched the bell. The portrait must be hidden away at all costs. He could not run such a risk of discovery again. It had been mad of him to have allowed the thing to remain even for an hour in the room to which any of his friends had access. And that is where we close the book on the picture of Dorian Gray and on tonight's episode. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I hope that you are now fast asleep but if not, on your way there. I very much enjoy this book and I hope that you do too. I'll be back in a week for another episode. We have episodes, new readings, or continued readings every Monday. And if you would like to get bonus episodes and double the amount of episodes that you have access to, in including the complete readings that we've done so far, then the place to do that and to support the podcast is patreon.com slash down to sleep. Thank you for joining me, and until next time. Good night.